whether you had good parents or not, whatever they taught you, you should always be learning and growing. And well, if I can do it, so can you. If I can start buying real estate at seven without any bank loans, then just use the benefits you do have. If you're over 18 and can get a bank loan, you can use that for a couple of different things. You can use what you have, be creative, and take action. What's going on, Better Than Rich Show listener? Today, you're going to kind of have your mind blown. <laughs> I'll explain why in a second. But Mike and I have the privilege of interviewing Devin Woolwin. And just to give you a sense, Devin is 16 years old and he has a net worth over seven figures. We were intrigued, to say the least, when Devin came across our list of options on this podcast because, of course, how could you turn down an opportunity to meet a 16-year-old millionaire? And he gets into how he did it. He is amazingly polished, especially for a 16-year-old. And he's somebody who has been investing ever since he was seven years old. I think he did his first real estate deal when he was seven, where he sourced all the money from families and friends and basically financed the deal and then flipped it and all that stuff. It's a really incredible story to watch what he's doing. And it's just inspiring. It's especially inspiring for me as a father of two sons to listen to someone like this and say, wow, there's an example of excellence in parenting. We do get into that topic, how his parents taught him. We get into topics like rich dad, poor dad. Obviously, we get into real estate and investing and all of those different things. And even some of the daily practices that Devin has, they're more sophisticated and more disciplined than many adults. And we get into that. We even play devil's advocate and push back. And he had some really good answers, especially again, for a 16 year old, it was really incredible to get to witness this. He's already written a couple of books. His family has a YouTube channel that's really amazing. He's putting out content all the time on social media. And he even has an investing group for kids that he tells you about at the end. I definitely want you to check that out, especially if you have children. And I told my son about it, who's eight and he's, he did it when he was seven. I got to listen to this episode. My son, Elijah, is already excited to listen to this. I hope you're excited. This may be one to listen to with the kids, but I hope that you enjoy. And uh, let's get on with the show with Devin Wolven. Welcome to the Better Than Rich show with your hosts, Andrew Biggs and Mike Abramowitz. The Better Than Rich show helps ambitious leaders who are on a mission to leave the world better than they found it, change their perspective on what's important, increase their income and impact, and systemize their life and business. If you've ever struggled with finding your purpose, have felt disconnected or distracted, or found yourself going through the motions, this show will remind you that what you do matters and will re-inspire you to chase your highest dreams. It's time for you to become better than rich. So welcome back to the Better Than Rich show. Mike Abramowitz here with Andrew Biggs and Devin Woolwend. Welcome to the Better Than Rich show. How are you today? I'm doing very well. And thank you for having me on. Well, we appreciate it. Listener, you could tell this is not a grown ass man yet. He has the results of a grown ass man, as you heard in his bio. But my goodness, Devin, you're officially the youngest person that we've had on the show, but you have some really incredible accolades, man. So I would love for you to just give us a little bit of a rundown. All right. Tell us. I mean, you're 15 right now, you have 40 units that you currently are working with. You're an accredited investor. I mean, some people work their entire life, try to become an accredited investor and you're an accredited investor at 15 years old. Is that accurate? Is that, did I read that right? Actually, I turned 16 a few days ago, but yeah, I am an accredited investor. Well, happy birthday. <laughs> Thank <you>. I stand <laughs> corrected. Devin, why don't you give us the journey to becoming an accredited investor by 15 years old? Why don't we start there? 
Well, I've been learning about business and investing since I was born. My parents have been buying real estate since well before I was born. So when I was born, they just decided, well, let's teach him a little bit about this. Maybe someday me and my brother will use it and get ahead in life. So they started bringing me to real estate meetings in a baby carrier, no less. And so I just learned about this. And then when I was five years old, I decided I'd like to start investing. I've been learning about this, so I think it's time. So I go up to my dad, and I ask him, what should I invest in? Or actually, I said, I think I'd like to start investing. What can I invest in? And he told me, well, Devin, you should invest in what you know. And I said, well, the only thing I really know is Legos. And so I found a way to invest in that. Hey, I'm a Lego fan. My two-year-old son has some Legos. How did you invest in Legos? Tell us the story, man. Here's the deal, Devin. I could speak from my lens as a dad, where if Mm -hmm. my son came to me at five years old, he's two, but when he's five and he says, hey, dad, I want to start investing. Where do I start? I want to know what your dad said to you and what you did with that information at five years old to get you on a path of 10 years to go from, hey, I'm kind of interested in investing, dad. Let's do this thing with Legos to 10 years later, having a portfolio worth over a million dollars. So yeah, dig in, brother. Tell us, tell us the sauce. (laughs) Well, in that first deal, I had to be very creative. I had to figure out how to invest in well, a toy. But what I had seen in my years of playing with the Legos, that after a while, Lego stops making sets or retires them. And then the price usually around doubles. And I had also heard buy low, sell high. Well, if I bought it for the original price and then it doubled, that just made sense. And for enough times, yeah, that's simple. So I found a set and I decided here's a really old set and the biggest set I had ever built, which was the Lego Death Star. Let's invest in that. That seems like it's the most likely to be retired soon since it's pretty much the oldest. I started saving up money, but didn't think I was saving it fast enough. So I decided, you know what, let's get a partner. And who better than my younger brother? (laughs) I actually chose him because he was the comfortable and easy option. Not because he had what I needed. That's what's called a hand-holding partner. It was slow getting the money, and Lego actually retired the set before I had all the money I needed, which cost another $100 for the set, which was a lot of money for me at the time. We got the set. We could still make a little bit of money, and we decided to list it, but we didn't want to pay the professional eBay's 10% commission. So we decided to put on a smaller, cheaper thing, Craigslist. But that also slowed us down more. I'm also learning the importance of time in these things as we're going along. Since we were slower selling the set, Lego released a new version of the same set before I could sell it. So ours went back down to about what we had paid. So I didn't actually make much with this first investment, but I did learn a lot of good lessons. I learned if you're going to partner with someone, Make sure they provide the value you need. I learned to hire professionals, be creative, and take action. 
all at the age of five, right? <laughs> you know, it's like, that's pretty incredible, Devin. I really appreciate that. And it's a great lesson, I think, for everyone, what you're sharing. And it's also a lesson in parenting simultaneously. So I think that's really cool. Keep going in the story. So you get into this investing, you're interested. Again, what's the rest of the story to get you to where you are today? Well, over the next couple of years, I went to more business meetings I played the board game Cash Flow for any parents that want their kids to learn more about investing. The board game Cash Flow, made by Robert Kiyosaki, that's one of the things that got me interested in real estate in addition to my parents doing it. But playing Cash Flow, when I actually wanted to start investing in real estate, I was just playing that game, but in real life. So how hard could it be? I could tell you how hard it could be is because you're playing with real money versus fake money. <laughs> so the emotional, the emotional side of losing a game, you just go in the kitchen and make a sandwich and say, ah, I lost the game. The emotional side of losing your money when you invested in real estate and then you lose the money and you try to go in the kitchen and make a sandwich, you're like, shit. I got no money to buy groceries. So now I'm screwed. I can't even make that sandwich. So there's this, <laughs> there's a little, that's that emotional element that I think trips people up. But what's interesting of what I hear when I'm hearing this is you made it into a game without the emotional element. How might someone be risk adverse to that? Yeah, go ahead, please. What you were saying. Yeah. A lot of people have that fear, but remember when I bought my first house, which I'll tell the story in a minute, I was seven. I didn't have any of these fears. My parents never gave me any of the limiting beliefs that hold people back. What if this? What if that? Well, what if we succeed? Then how far ahead do we get? What you just said, while it's true, that's also focusing on the negatives. And another big thing that my parents are frequently talking about is focusing on the positive version of things, working towards something, not hiding from something. That's great. You bought your first piece of real estate at seven. So you went from five years old to buying multifamily homes, duplexes. Go through this. I have to know how you go from Legos to a house. There's got to be a little bit of a jump there. You know, cash flow is a bridge. Okay, I see it. What else? Well, at seven, which I had done a little bit of investing in precious metals, so gold and silver in the couple of years in between, but that's still a big jump from real estate. But seven years old. Hey, I think I'd like to start investing in real estate. I started an LLC because that's what my parents think you should do before you buy real estate. I have an LLC for asset protection. And what you name it as a uh, seven-year-old, awesome rentals. And then for buying my first house, being that I was seven, you can't get a bank loan. It's very difficult to get a bank loan when you're under 18. And when I was writing my first book, If I Can Do It, So Can You, I actually went to four banks and learned they don't want to lend me money. So (laughs) what do I do instead? I found someone else that would loan money. And how I got them to finance my first deal was I found a deal that they were selling a house for $50,000. And it was worth around 80 at the time. And they need to sell it quickly because their loan was about to be called due. They were going to have to pay back a big chunk of money that they did not want to do. So sell it quickly, make a smaller amount of money, and be done with it. That meant I could buy it for a smaller price, which is how I got a small hedge fund, a family group, put their money together type hedge fund, not the big ones you see. But they decide that they would loan money on this deal because they would either get paid back 
or they would get a house that's worth a lot more than the mortgage. So either way, they would win. So you structured the deal that said they have, what is that saying that they have a part ownership? Like what is it? They hold the note. Is that what it's called in real estate? They do not get part ownership, but they do hold a note and mortgage, uh, which essentially that's the two pieces of paper you have for a normal loan. The note essentially tells them how you're going to pay it back. And the mortgage says, if you don't pay it back, we get the house. Mm. So part of the deal was this hedge fund, you crowdsource the money, you got 50 grand, that $50,000, how did they split the note? So each of them own a share, like a split of that note or the terms? No, my understanding of how they work, I don't know everything about their company, but I think it's, they put their money into some sort of company or fund or something. And then that fund loans people money and then they pay it back to the fund and then that gets split up from there. But it's not like seven or 10 or 20 different people each had a tiny mortgage on the house. That'd be a lot more paperwork. Yeah, I have a question if you're open to it. What's interesting to me is just watching this is there's a lot of creativity and there's a lot of resolve, right? And commitment and follow through and navigating uncertainty that... I know a lot of adults who at the first sign of any sort of barrier, you know, the first sign of any sort of conflict or challenge, they say, oh, well, forget it. You know, I guess it's just not for me. You go to one bank as a seven-year-old, turns out the bank doesn't want to loan you money. And I can imagine a lot of seven-year-olds dropping their head down and saying, well, forget it. I guess I'm just not going to buy real estate. Let me go back to Legos. But you didn't. And so I'm curious from the mindset perspective, you know, what's the mindset that you have when you're going through these things? Because that's universally applicable to every single listener that's listening to this right now. What would you say to that? Well, I've always been taught and I always am talking to people in my books when I'm teaching people here and how I actually live my life. You always need to be creative and take action. And then As for how I overcame the what if I fail or the times I do fail, how do I get back up? Well, think about a kid learning to walk. How many times do they fall over before they finally figure out how to walk? If you gave up after the first time you fell over, nobody would know how to walk. So it's this, okay, sure, you get knocked down, but as long as you get up one more time than you're knocked down, you'll still end up on top. Hmm. I love that. I love that. Approach it like a child, you could say. It's just, all right, so one more bank turned me down. All right, let's go to another bank or let's find a different solution. What if we could get another person to loan me money? Or what if we could set up some kind of really creative deal? There's an infinite number of ways to do things. You just have to be creative enough to find the one that best works for you. Awesome. I love that. And there's something to that where you're not giving up, right? And you're trying one way and then you are pivoting if you find a barrier. That's just business, right? That's just entrepreneurship. Whereas a lot of people who maybe don't have that training that your parents have given you and that you've learned for yourself, they just give up and they go, I guess, you know, this isn't for me or I'm going to go do something safer. I really love that. I'm curious as you're going through this. Okay. So you get your first house. Did you manage all the tenants and everything? Like, did you find the tenants and 
and collect the rent and like knock on the door. And, you know, kind of reminds me of that Will Ferrell skit. If you guys have ever seen that, where he's, his daughter's going and collecting the rent. Did you go collect the rent and manage these properties or how did that look? So I was not the one <laughs> managing the property. Remember, I still don't have a full driver's license. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> so I could not manage all of these, even if I wanted to. So I hired a property management company to rent them out, to fix them up. Because I had to at the time. A lot of people try and do all the work themselves because it'll save money and nobody does it as good as them. But that only gets you so far. You just bought yourself another job. You went from, probably went from one job to maybe a higher paying job, but still a job. You still have to go to work. You still have to work every day. It's not a business. That's great. So even from the start, you were implementing sort of an ownership mindset. You know, you didn't want to be the one pounding the pavement and doing the work and, okay, I'm going to go in and I'm going to collect the rent and I'm going to go in and I'm going to knock out that wall and I'm going to make sure that the dishwasher is working. Like you were just like, nope, outsource, 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 (laughs) you know, and I'm going to be the one collecting the check at the end of the day and I'm going to go find more deals. That's basically what I'm hearing. Is that correct? Pretty much. Yeah. (laughs) I love that. And you're in school this whole time too? Or is this considered school? This is part of my schooling. I'm homeschooled and have had a business or investing class since I started pretty much, or at least as long as I can remember. Learning about this and doing it was all part of what I was learning. Mm. Yeah, this is definitely not the traditional path. I have many questions. I'm going to make sure that we hit on each of them because there's several that I want to make sure I ask. And I'll just capture them. First question I'm curious is receiving parenting because most kids, they're not going to want to like listen to mom and dad. They want to rebel or go the opposite direction of what mom and dad say. So I'm totally curious on receiving the parenting. Many of our listeners, they're still looking to get that first deal. So for you to oversimplify that first deal, coming from a newly 16-year-old to speak to someone who's maybe two or three times your age that's still trying to get that first deal under their belt and being able to simplify it as much as possible for them, because that first deal, I'm sure it's a big confidence builder for you to stack. So it's like, there's some things there I definitely want to feel into. And then I also want to explore lessons from your parents. You might have a whole book on just lessons you learned from mom and dad. My goodness, there's a bunch there. Obviously, we could go in so many different directions, but I'd like to try to hit on a couple of these. This is where, to answer your question, Biggs, the things that's coming up for me, this is where my curiosities are. Well, starting off with uh, my parents, and a lot of people want to rebel. Uh, They want to rebel against their parents. They want to do their own thing. My parents, they let me do things and try things and fail, learn my lesson, and then do things better the next time. And I never got into some of the drugs and alcohol stuff. If that means you don't think clearly, you do stuff that gets you in trouble, that just doesn't seem worth it to me, which has just kind of been my thought process about most of it. And my parents, they just built I guess you could call it, they built a relationship with my brother and I based on respect. Like they said, an example, they were congruent, which is a big lesson my parents teach, especially in their book, Family Success Triangle, which talks a lot about them raising my brother and I and teaching us about business and investing. Right? And my parents were always congruent. When they said something, when they were teaching us things, they also followed 
what they were teaching. It's do as I do, not do as I say, not as I do. So good modeling, right, is what I'm hearing. And it's like, why would I want to rebel against these people who I respect and who do what they say, do what they mean, and all of those things? It's like, well, they're congruent. I want to be like them. It sounds like you emulate your parents, right? Yeah. Uh, You want to emulate your parents as much as possible. And so for all the parents listening, it's like, well, do you want your kid to listen to you? You know, how are you showing up on a daily basis? Are you doing what you're supposed to do? So Devin, what would you say to that? More than that, my parents have businesses, but they hire people so they could spend time with me and we could do fun things, take fun trips. Mm. So I saw all the benefits from real estate, whereas some people send their kids to pick up rent checks and drywall, pick up trash, and they wonder why their kids don't want to get in real estate. Show them the good parts. And sure, there are the problems, but show them all the benefits of it and how it's worth it to get those benefits. Yeah. I mean, what would you say to somebody who says, Hey, Devin, this sounds great. Congratulations on all your success. And also like you kind of hit the parent lottery here. Like my parents sucked. What if there's a kid listening right now or a young person listening right now, or even an adult listening right now who has some story about, Hey, you know, I didn't get that sort of leadership. I didn't get that sort of modeling. In fact, Everything I watched my parents do and everything my parents taught me was probably the opposite of what Devin's parents taught him. What would you say to that person? I would say maybe whether you had good parents or not, whatever they taught you, you should always be learning and growing. And well, if I can do it, so can you. If I can start buying real estate at seven without any bank loans, then Just use the benefits you do have. If you're over 18 and can get a bank loan, you can use that for a couple of different things. You can use what you have, be creative, and take action. Great answer. Don't hold yourself back. I love that. So Mike, I know you were curious about that first deal and you still wanted to make sure we we tied a bow on that. I, I definitely do. I definitely do. Because you crowdfunded 50 grand. Okay. You were very creative with structuring that and you got people to give you the 50,000. So number one, you found the property. So now did dad or mom find that property or did you find that property? And it, either way, it doesn't matter. You were still resourceful. But like, how does someone fall into a property that is worth 80 but they want to get out of the deal that they're willing to take 50. How did you find that? Or how would you instruct someone to find a good deal like that? Well, a lot of the properties I find, most of what I find is through talking to other investors, especially at Real Estate Investors Association meetings. I have gone to a Wednesday morning or evening meetup almost every week for most of my life. So talking to people there is the main way I find deals. And this first one happened to be my dad, who's normally the buy and hold forever type. He had a partner wanted to do a flip. And so they were doing that. They fixed up this house. They were trying to sell it. And if I remember correctly, the one person they were working on selling it to was getting a bank loan to buy the property. And that fell through. Now they're coming up on the loan ends, pay us all the money back you haven't already, or a balloon on a mortgage. They're like, we got to sell this quick. And I came along and was like, hey, I'd like to start investing in real estate. This was a great opportunity for me. Then how we set this up, I said I got the loan, but what I didn't add is I got a nine-year loan on this, 
which means it should be paid off this year when I'm 16, when I'll need a vehicle, which was a very smart plan on my dad's part. Wow. So, I mean, proximity is power. So I'm hearing go to networking events and learn from experts. So surrounding yourself around other people who are doing the same thing that you want to do. That's one thing I heard there. And as far as timing, the timing was good because you were willing to show up. A lot of people aren't willing to show up. So it fell onto your lap because you knew what you wanted. You were around people who were doing the same thing that you wanted to do. And then, oh, the timing was perfect. So it was like, oh, I just so happened to be here ready to roll. But you've positioned yourself for that. That's really beautiful because that's something that can easily be replicated. When you sold that property for the 80, did you sell it right away or did you leave it tenant occupied with? with No, I didn't sell it. It was worth 80, meaning I could have sold it for 80. I still own that property today. And like you said, it should be paid off this year when I'm 16 because I'm going to want a vehicle. That one is full credit to my dad for coming up with that. The way I buy property is I buy it and then I rent it out and then I keep renting it out forever. And then I get that passive income. Hmm. What do you do with the equity that's building in those properties? Are you taking loans out against the equity that as it grows to buy more properties? Or what is your philosophy on that? What I have done a couple of times is pretty much what you just said, get a loan on this one for a down payment or to buy that one free and clear or other things like that. What I might do once I turn 18 and can get a bank loan is essentially get a blanket loan on a whole bunch of different properties together, which is a little bit more of a complex thing. But basically, you get a loan on all this whole chunk of properties at once. And then you pull the equity out of that and use that to buy a whole bunch more properties or invest in other things. Last year, I also bought part of an oil well because I needed to pay less in taxes. Fun fact, there's a thing called a kitty tax that essentially, if you're under 18 and making passive income, you quite rapidly get bumped up to your parents' tax bracket for that, which means you pay a lot more in taxes. Hmm. I need your accountant. So uh... <laughs> that, that is definitely good to know, right? This is really cool, man. This is fun, man. So yeah. this is really good. I really like the threads here. I mean, I'm also curious, like when you look at how you balance all this, just being a kid, growing up and having fun and, you know, maybe having a social life or whatever. What does that look like? How do you make time for it all? Or do you find it's pretty easy? A big thing on that, especially that my parents talk about in their family success triangle book I mentioned earlier, is integrating everything together, integrating the family and business, learning about the real estate while also playing games with that cash flow, talking to people and meeting people, networking at the real estate events. I'm homeschooled, so I'm not always meeting as many younger people, but going to the real estate meetings, I can meet a lot of other people there. And I also happen to be in Boy Scouts, so I can meet more people there. But it's a lot about how do we accomplish our goals while doing these things together? How do we bring our life together so that it's focused on the path, on the goals that we want to be working on? Hmm. There's an integration, right, to the vision and the goals, and then it's all moving in the same direction, right? Because there's an alignment to what you're trying to create. So I love that. 
surrounding all of it is actually last year I started a free online networking group for anyone 8 to 24 years old where I actually teach them about business and investing. So I actually have weekly online meetings. It's completely free to join, but that is I can meet other people my age. I can teach other people. I can help the world. I can help make the world a better place, like my parents have told me every night before I go to bed. I can do all of these things and do it together. I am integrating all of these things together. I really like what your parents said to you every day as you go to bed that you what was it that you can make the world a better place is always dream about making the world a better place so dream about making the world a better place you have a younger brother you said yep ethan ethan and how old is ethan right now he is 13 years old at the moment got it so three-year gap between the two of you i'm interested do you feel like ethan feels a lot of intimidation about your success and the track record that you have with real estate and whatnot or is he inspired to compete to be even better than you. I was just curious on that one. He sees it as a challenge, I think. He also owns, I think he's at 39 units right now. He has also published a book. But yeah, we work together and he is doing a lot of the same things I'm doing and doing some of his own things. But we're all working and helping each other. Mm. Yeah, this is great. You know, what it reminds me of, Devin, there's a book, I just finished it recently, The Art of Learning by Joss Waiskin. I think is how you say his last name. This is the real, the movie, The Searching for Bobby Fischer, the chess player. This is essentially his story. The movie Searching for Bobby Fischer was based off this kid. And the Cliff Notes version of the story, I mean, he was a prodigy, a young prodigy who reached high, high levels of success as a young kid. And then when he reached a point of like being the best chess player in the world, just completely like buckled, folded up, put all this pressure on himself, all the eyes were on him. And then really just said, I went out of the spotlight. And you see that almost like in Hollywood child actors, you see these individuals that just can't take the pressure of being amazing. And they have some sort of regret on missing out on some things in their childhood or all this pressure, and then they kind of pivot and go in a different direction. How have your parents or just your environment, how is some of that, if it's being discussed with you, is there ever a back door where it's like, hey, by the way, Devin, if you just want to like go watch porn and hang out with your boys and go play video games and just be a kid, you don't have to continue on this books and the speaking and the real estate and being the most successful young kid in the world. I know that's not what you want right now, but maybe the 25-year-old version of you is saying, hey, man, don't miss out on some of this stuff. Just curious if there's anything there. The way I'm seeing it is while theoretically, maybe I could fade into obscurity and people would forget my name and a couple of people's lives would be changed by some of the things that I've done and taught. Or I could continue working and growing and teaching people and over time help hundreds of thousands of people and change the entire world. Well, you mentioned video games. What is the purpose of that? To increase a number, to get to the top, to prove your worth, to feel like you've done well. Well, what if I could do that, what if I could get the same 
like, hey, I'm doing this. Uh, I have a bigger number of people that I'm helping. All right. Feeling important because I can help all these people and then everybody is better and they all like me because of it. If nothing else, people's lives are just better and everything in the world gets better. And then maybe my life gets a little bit easier or it's a little bit cooler, like, huh, help with that. So sure, I could do it in game, but what if I could do it in real life? It's great. It's a great answer. And, you know, it's cool to watch the journey here that you've been on, Devin. And I'm so excited for the future for you as well. At the end of every show, we always ask our guests three questions. The first question we ask people is, what do you think the world needs most right now? I think the world needs, especially the younger generation, to learn more, especially about money, to understand it better. A lot of the issues we have in the world today could be solved if people just learned about money, how to run a business, how to be more successful, how to think like wealthy people, rich people, whatever you want to call it, but being able to see the big picture and not just trying to work 40 hours a week, 50 weeks a year for 40 or 50 years of your life to retire on half as much as you made while you were working. Great answer. Great, great answer. I think every listener needs to replay that and listen to it on repeat because if you feel stuck in the rat race right now of working and working, exchanging your time, exchanging your time, just what Devin said to retire on less money than what you're working so hard to make right now. Wow. That's a pretty profound statement that I think everyone needs to hear. So thank you for that, Devin. Our second question that we'd like to ask is what are one to three books that you think people should read? Obviously, you have yours and your family books, and we want you to plug those here in just a moment. But what are one of three books that you think people should read that has helped you in your journey? Well, one of my uh, favorite books that's great for anyone in the rat race, the ones to get started investing, any of that, what the book my parents had me read before I bought my first house, Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. Absolutely incredible book. I'm sure a lot of people have talked about it, but that was an awesome book. And then aside from my family's books, well, I guess for the people that want to learn more about some of the things that could happen in the future, government, especially government overreach and that sort of thing. One of my favorite fiction books of all time, Atlas Shrugged. I see, uh, Mike, you have it behind you. I can't say I've read the whole thing. I've glanced a little bit <laughs> at some of it. But yes, uh, that is a beast, I to, beast of a book. I got an audio book and got through the whole thing. It's really good. You should definitely finish that. Nice. And then a third book. For the people that want to grow but aren't going fast enough, I don't feel like they're doing enough and just keep trying to work harder but can't get ahead. I guess The 10X Rule by Grant Cardone. I read that one recently and it was pretty good. Very cool. The plug on Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I read that book when I was 19 and I bought my first house when I was 20 because I didn't want to buy a car. Assets versus liabilities and seeing the difference between the two, I was like, all right, let's go put this money and ride the hoopty, the 1991 Mitsubishi is what I was uh, rocking for quite some time because I was like, all right, let me put that money in the house. So that was a transformative book for me too. So I love that one. Bigs to you. And our final question, what does it mean to you, Devin, to be better than rich? To be better than rich would be to not only have the money and the mindset of being rich, but also using that and 
having the time that you want to have, being able to take the trips that you want, and then after all of that, putting it together and helping teach other people how to become rich, how to become wealthy, and then better than rich. Yeah, that's beautiful. Profound for anyone, but just to see it in so young, I think there's two versions of me as we have this conversation. There's the version of me that it's like the 38-year-old that's like learning and saying, wow, what the hell was I doing at 15, 16 years old? Like just in awe of how much I sucked. <laughs> like there's a version of me that's watching that. <laughs> and then there's a version of me that's like, man, my parents didn't do a good job. And then there's a version of me, it's like, gosh, I got to do a great job as a parent. Like I could raise a kid like this. This is awesome. And then there's a version of me that's listening to this saying, wow, you could start anywhere. These are some really simple best practices that anyone could start anytime at any point in time. And I know you wrote a book. The book is called If I Can Do It, So Can You. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your books, the family books, where people could stay in touch with you. If they want to you know, just continue having this conversation with you, Devin, where might they be able to go? Well, to go through the books for anyone that wants to get started in real estate, wants to learn more about it, and wants it broken down so that a 10-year-old can understand it, my first book, If I Can Do It, So Can You. I wrote it at 10, published at 11. Really simple and easy, but explains a lot of the basic things about real estate. And then for any of the kids that just want a fun book, but maybe you still want to learn some stuff, you can read my book, The Garage, and my brother's book, The Treehouse. Just fun fiction stories about kids turning what they know and like into a business. And then for all the parents out there, people that really want to start a business and then want to integrate family and business, for any of those three groups, The Family Success Triangle by Eric and Lila Woolwind is an incredible book on family and business and integrating the two. And the book, The Garage, you did that with Mark Victor Hansen from Chicken Soup for the Soul, right? Yeah, The Garage, Family Success Triangle, and The Treehouse were all published by Mark's publishing company, Mark Victor Hansen Library. Very cool. That's great. I, I really like him. Do you guys know him personally? or? Yeah, I actually, yeah. a few days ago, we went out to dinner with him when we were in Scottsdale. But yeah, we talked to him and figured out how we can better the world together. Yeah, he's a really good guy. Now that I know you know him, I like even more. So that's that's great, man. Well, hey, this was so much fun, David. Thank you so much. Again, listener, if you've enjoyed this episode as much as we have, make sure you share it with a friend, connect it to somebody. Have your kids listen to this episode. Get them the books. You know, Get involved if you have children in Devin's entrepreneurial group. There's so much Hello. going on that he does. I was just checking out your Instagram. Like He's putting out videos. He's putting out all sorts of content. So definitely give him a follow and make sure you're engaged with him because he's got some amazing things going on. And Devin, keep spreading your light, man. I mean, this has been so uplifting and inspiring today. And I really do believe that you can change the world if you keep doing what you're doing. So thank you so much. Again, listener, make sure that you share this with a friend, subscribe on YouTube. Devin, is there one more thing you want to say before we send us out? Yes. Real quick thing. I had mentioned a group for young people earlier. If anybody wants to find more about that for them or their kids or anything, clearskytrainer.com slash MIT. And thank you very much for having me on. And everybody, subscribe to them. Learn more from them. This is a great podcast. Follow them. Share it with everybody. It is great being on here. Appreciate it, man. And again, until next week, leave today better than you found it. We'll see you next time on the Better Than Rich Show. Have a great day. 
Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the show, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from us, you can follow us on Instagram at better than underscore rich and join our Facebook group at the better than rich show. Thanks again for listening. We look forward to seeing you next time. And remember, leave today better than you found it. If you found value in this podcast episode and want to go a little bit deeper with myself and Andrew Biggs and our community, I recommend checking out one of these three resources. Number one is join our community. We have the Automate Delegate Systemize Facebook group with over a thousand entrepreneurs and self-employed individuals who just want to win back their time, who want to increase their profits, want to expand their businesses and really spend their time on what matters most to them. So join that group. It's on Facebook. It's called Automate Delegate Systemize. It is a private group, but we would love to have you join. Number two is we have a free one-hour masterclass. And this free one-hour masterclass that is titled Win Back 13 to 37 Hours of Your Week Every Single Week. By you taking an hour of your time and listening and watching and workshopping with this masterclass, you will learn our three epiphanies to help you understand how to work on the business, not in the business, know that you can delegate and automate almost anything in your business, and you could also build a system in your business, even if you're not tech savvy at all. So I highly recommend you to go to automatedelegatesystemize.com and enjoy that free one hour masterclass. If you really wanna go deep with Andrew, myself, and other business owners, we have a program called Operator to Owner. And Operator to Owner is our premier program that's 12 weeks long that will show you exactly how to use what we call the ADS framework, going through the prospect journey, the client journey, how to onboard properly, build your staff, build the pillars of your organization, audit your time with a dollar per hour exercise, offload and delegate your under dollar per hour wage that you want to pay yourself, how to offload those tasks and really how to buy back your time. Our promise is that by the end, you will learn how to leverage a virtual assistant team, whether you want to use our better than rich virtual assistants. We have those services. You could go to va.betterthanrich.com or you can learn how to use your own virtual assistant team and hire offshore workers. But we are here to help you win back time gain your freedom, and try to stay true to what it means to be an entrepreneur and why you became an entrepreneur in the first place. So take advantage of those three resources. We have the Facebook group that's free. We have the masterclass that's free. And then of course, we have operator to owner and our virtual assistant services that are behind the paywall. And be on the lookout for our next mini course, Win Back Your Freedom and Increase Your Profits, which we've done a couple of times already. And maybe there's one coming up in the near future. Thank you.